everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we're talking about falling in love. Attraction. What brings two people together? Is it all in the eye of the beholder or in the ear of the beholder? The brain of the beholder. We're talking about it up next after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. With the still-developing scandal surrounding the Justice Department's seizure of phone records from Associated Press journalists, the Obama administration is now trying to handle three scandals. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney refused to answer any questions today about the record collection. Attorney General Eric Holder says he recused himself from the controversial decision to seize the AP records as part of a wide-ranging leak investigation. Holder said today a criminal investigation will be held in relation to the IRS targeting of conservative groups. Two prominent figures from the U.K. are in the U.S. Prince Harry is touring the damage still left over from Hurricane Sandy with New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and British Prime Minister And the British Prime Minister went to the Boston Marathon bombing site today to pay his respects to the victims. Police in New Orleans have identified a suspect in the Mother's Day parade shooting that injured 19. Authorities have confirmed with multiple witnesses a 19-year-old man could be the shooter. However, it is still too early to tell if others were involved. The U.S. Navy has made a historic step forward for unmanned flight. A drone plane has successfully been launched from an aircraft carrier, widely expanding the potential uses of the American drone fleet. The Minnesota State Senate passed a measure yesterday to allow same-sex couples to wed in the state. The state's governor is expected to sign that measure into law today, making Minnesota the 12th to allow the unions in the nation. In world news, nearly 200 people were killed when a boat capsized off the coast of Burma late yesterday. Officials say only one person survived the tragedy. Russian authorities expelled a U.S. diplomat today after saying they caught him red-handed with disguises and equipment attempting to recruit a Russian intelligence agent to work for the CIA. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, lovebirds, you attractive people, the most attractive audience in all of radio. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, a face only radio could love. We're talking about attraction today, folks. You know, have you ever wondered what it was about your partner that attracted you? Mm. Was it Was it those deep, dark blue eyes? Or maybe that she could palm a basketball or maybe uh, you fell in love with the fact that she's a great cook or he's a great provider. Mm. Maybe it just has something to do with their smell. Mm. That doesn't sound as attractive, does it? It's something about our attraction. We are, it's a big deal because everybody out there, you know, you have this aptitude, this ability to fall in love. And today we're going to dissect it. One reason is because I'm tired of people telling me in the singles world as I go and coach and work with a bunch of singles. I have people all the way telling me there's no attractive singles out there. There's just none of them. I had a woman once in a meeting with about 400 other singles in a room, literally came up, talked to me at the front of the meeting. And then she turned and she says, look, look out there right now. Do you see anyone out there that's attractive? And I'm like. Ouch. That's a great way to make friends. 
Yeah, um, I brought that up in the meeting, by the way. How loudly did she say that? She said it to me, but then I said, you know what? No, she was a, she was saying, look, there's no good-looking guys. Look out right now. Do you see any attractive men? Look, look at those men. They're all ugly. Look at it's them. Look at their saying. ugliness. And then sure, I said, you know what? That. It's funny because a guy just came up and said the same thing but about the girls. I'm picturing a room full of people mingling about. You guys are up maybe in the front part of the room. She yeah. turns around about this. There's nobody attractive in this room. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that blatant. Okay. But she said it to me. And the reality is maybe her problem is she's using her eyes. You know, maybe there's something else she should be using, like her nose. I should say, hey, they may not be pleasing to the eye, but have you smelled them? You what think? if they smell amazing? Like, what if they smell amazing? Boom. Fixed. Is it enough to just smell them? Or do you just have to see them long enough until your eyes dull, the senses are dulled, and then all of a sudden they don't look so bad? Hey, that's a very viable option. Or do you just need to hear from them and hear about their bank account, and that changes everything, and then all, then all of a sudden they look better? I don't know if that's what they need to do, but I sure know that that doesn't hurt. See, isn't it weird? Like, have you ever had a friend that was dating somebody, and you're like, oh, man, you could do better? than that and then but yeah he owns a startup company and just he just um made 14 million dollars on it and you're like he's hot <laughs> if you don't marry him right now Does I that will. really happen oh yeah i mean all the time let's really? ask Merritt. Merritt knows that Merritt, all of Merritt's friends married millionaires even if they were ugly yeah that totally true? that's not no true. it's not true Women aren't shallow like that. They don't. They wouldn't just find someone attractive because they're wealthy. Of course not. We're far superior than that. You would wait to. I'm then, kidding. No. Yeah. Because no. there is research, right, about some of the weird ways we fall in love. There are some really weird ways. By the way, it's, it's supposedly it takes like like I can't remember half a second or something to fall in love. Oh really? I don't know about that. Yeah, That's what I'm it said. That's what the, it takes the research longer. is because it's just chemical. Boom! Actually, Bam! No, if I re- remember right, the 1970s, they proved it only takes a minute to fall in love. Really? I yeah. think Rob is quoting a song. Yeah, it that, only I takes was... a minute, girl, yeah, to fall in love. Ooh, ooh, let's not sing anymore. That's, let's not do that. Rob, don't sing. But it's, it's a little more than one second. It's, it's closer to 60. But I think it's chemical is what it is. So it's firing something in your brain that says, yeah, marry her kind of thing maybe not i i do have a doctorate i haven't done the research on this so i'm hoping some of some of you've done some research i have done some research about but but what's the research because something sells right something is out there selling us for example disney's even changing their princess it's true they are i heard about i saw that um maybe i'm a shallow male i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say no to that well, you which one? Which one aren't you going to say no to? The first, okay. So we're talking about the movie Brave. Apparently, they've they're adjusting um, the protagonist from Brave. They're adjusting her character model. They yeah, both, they both look fine. Well, they're pretty. They're prettying her up. They're they're making well, her more. It's a little seductive. more than pretty. Yeah, they're they're lowering the shoulder they're line. The shoulder line. Well, her cheek right now. She kind of looks like a younger. Like a, she's got a little bit of the baby fat on her still. She's, yeah, she's supposed to be sixteen, and a tomboy. And now apparently she's now a twenty-four-year-old um, Vegas show dancer. Yep, they made her waist smaller, her curves more, more apparent. curvaceous. Yeah. Well, which you know all the kids are after. <laughs> like, mommy, why isn't <laughs> Belle curvier? Because <laughs> that's the first thing your four-year-old's going to ask at Disneyland. 
Where did Belle's curves go, Mommy? Messed up. <laughs> her curves went with her ambition as she's a as an actor she's trying to make it in Hollywood, and she can only she's find a few shifts at Disneyland as a as a as a princess. So what what's the story on that, Merritt? I mean, really, does it matter? I feel people like are it mad. matters. I feel like it matters. Why? And I'm not I'm not like huge on, on it. Like Disney can do what they want. Yeah. They have their marketing strategies, but I think the problem comes from the reason. Merida from Brave is supposed to be a role model is because she's somebody who takes action. Yeah. And she can shoot she has a lots bow. Of energy. Yeah. Right. She's talented. She's sporty. And she's the one Disney princess who does not end up married at the end of the movie. She doesn't need a man to complete Well, there's her. the problem. <laughs> That's why they don't like it. Well, yeah. They They're have thinking to this that. one. They, so this is where they Brave just did, too, all, they did a makeover on her. Yeah. Isn't that funny? You think if they wanted, they just could have had her marry. And then that would have solved the problem. No. So I feel like the problem is little girls look up to the Disney princesses. Yeah. It's like, I'd love to deny that, but Cinderella was my role model. So it would be great for a little girl to have a role model who is somebody who's attractive because of their personality and right. for their strengths and for the action that they took, the bravery that she had, instead of somebody who has a small waist and unachievable I, looks. That's a good point. But see... Because even with the small body, she couldn't pull a bow like she used to. Of course not. She couldn't. She spends too much time putting on makeup in the morning. Well, yeah. To... And the corset. I mean, it would take hours to get into that corset. <laughs> Probably. Wasn't yes. that part of the show that she didn't <laughs> want to wear a corset or something? But, I mean, that's. I think that's a big deal. In fact, a mother in Salt Lake City was kind of – she was mad about the same thing. Why are we sexualizing these characters? Exactly. These are young kids. That's not the point of it. So what was the – see, I think the point is attraction. So they're thinking she's not attractive enough. Yeah. They're thinking little girls will want to buy their Disney princess backpack, backpacks more if, if she's a pretty, they're prettier. Pre- yeah. Yeah. No. That's a sad thing. Uh, well, and but what about all the girls that want like the tomboy look? Because exactly. the tomboy look was attractive. Totally. It made the movie shine, right? It made, I mean, it made the movie work. I mean, Merida, is that her name? Mm-hmm. She had the market cornered on – Yeah. On tomboy looks, totally. And well, so. and is she is she the first redheaded princess? No, no there's Ariel. Yeah, Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Well, she's a, yeah, but she's a mermaid princess. That's a different. <laughs> Not human doesn't count. <laughs> Not a human. Yeah, doesn't even have legs, does she? She got them after she lost her voice. Yeah, I know a lot about certain princesses. Because, <laughs> do, do you have a daughter or something? I did yeah. until the marriage, <laughs> and then apparently she's gone. Well, so again, attractiveness. What do you do? I mean, apparently Disney can just redraw you. Well, it's true, but the, there is research that shows that attractiveness is a lot more than just how we view other people in romantic relationships. Really? But attractive people are more successful overall because we have biases really? that support them. For example, most people find that would assume that a physically attractive person is also more intelligent. Yeah, not true. <laughs> no, not, practical not. experience draws a different picture. Yes. Even, but but so uh, there's an assumption that if there's you're attractive, you yeah. got your stuff together, and that you're more successful. Uh huh. And um, that if any any good quality you have is magnified if you're attractive. So if I were generous and somebody found me super super attractive, yeah. they would also think that I'm hugely generous, even though. Even if that was just a tiny really, part of my why would attractiveness and generosity go together? That seems strange. Seems like attractiveness is kind of like a magnifying glass exactly, for your qualities. Yeah. As so long as you're it, attractive, it'll it, it it magnifies any quality. 
I guess any good one? Or is yeah, it we probably think people are athletic if they're good looking, they're healthy if they're good looking. I once had a doctor who said, hey, you look like you work out. And I was like, hey, thanks, doc, for saying that nice thing. And then he looked at my chart and he saw my blood pressure and he was like, oh, Whoa, oh no, you don't. train wreck. <laughs> like, Sorry. Never mind. It's in that order. <laughs> but you are fairly good looking. Your face is symmetrical. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Self-esteem was destroyed after that point. That's hard. <laughs> because See, you doc- can't lie to a doctor. <laughs> Doctors can blow it, man. They can ruin your life in one silly little meeting. Mm. Sadly. Um, well, that's cool news, I guess. I, I mean, so that's why we're on radio. Because we don't have faces for TV. But we're very generous. Yeah. And not so wealthy. Not so wealthy yet. Yet. <laughs> we'll see. Bryce has plans. No, I have, I have hopes. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce. Hopes and wishes. A man can dream. So what other ways do we find a thing, something attractive? If we can't see it, how else is there attraction? Well, one way is if you, you assume a person is attractive, you'll, you'll view them as more attractive. That, it sounds a little um, twisted, but... There was a study done where men were shown a picture of a woman mm-hmm. and then told that they were having a conversation with this woman. Okay. It wasn't necessarily the same person that was in the picture and yeah. was talking to them. But if they found the person in the picture physically attractive, they would act a certain way toward them. They would try to be more manly and more kind and more polite. And that they would, you know, funny. make their voice a little lower. And Hey, baby. <laughs> But the interesting thing is, is that the woman would respond by acting more attractive. So if he played his game thinking she was more attractive. Then she became more attractive by responding to that. Interesting. Exactly. See, but that could work in a marriage. It could. If we just all pretended like our spouses were more attractive. Maybe they'll act more, more attractive. attractive. <laughs> thus being more attractive. Boom. That's there a positive feedback loop. That's what that is. That's a total yeah. positive no, feedback this, this reminded me of a cool study. Uh, that uh, it was for it was primate research, but someone applied it to humans because we're still technically primates. Sure. Um, there was these guys; they were in the Arctic. Just it was like six guys, six or seven guys, all stuck there for three months. <laughs> Nothing worse than that, right? It sounds awful. Okay. Uh, and so they they monitored a lot of their bodily systems to sort of get some data. What happens? Yeah. Well, when, what else are you going to do in right, the Arctic? Right. Yeah. Other than whatever they were doing, that was something they were doing, and then. They brought a new shipment of people, and one of one of the persons was female. Hey, there's and, a girl. Yeah. There's a girl in the Arctic. And little did they know, they, they didn't really have a whole lot of data on this before because we've all thought yeah. so. Like you put a girl in a room of guys and suddenly like everyone Something's mans up. Happen. No, that was actually biologically what happened. The best ones was guys started growing beards faster. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, among Straight. all the other things, that hey, changed. look at my beard growing. Hey. So it's like, hey, look, this is, look how fast it's growing. Look at it, look at it. Watch it. <laughs> well, Merritt, does that? So when you sit there and watch a man's beard grow, do you think, whoa, he's hot? Do I think beards are attractive? Mm-hmm. I do. I think that facial hair is manly. Do you really? I do. Have you ever seen like a bunch of facial hair in a sink that's just clung to the sink because it hasn't been washed out? Do you find that attractive? No, not really. That's what my wife always complains about. <laughs> it's, it's the rogue. Hairs. I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> if it's my wife or was it Merritt. But it's it's cute on someone's face. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. That's a weird study. What else? I bet you their heart rate their heart rate went up. I'll bet you they were breathing different. Just it was all sorts of mm. biological systems adjusted once there was once they were cooped up. Was it just with one a woman. female? Just one. Oh, woman that came. poor woman. 
right? Poor Poe. I, no, I have a feeling I was rather annoying for her. It gets yeah. really bad after you know a week or two. It's like, hey, hey, look, I, I've got a harmonica. You want to <laughs> see me play it? Watch me do a backflip. I can do a backflip. <laughs> They're all competing for. I went on a study abroad, so I was I was gone for four months, and in my group there were thirty eight girls Ooh. and three guys. Aye. And where did you go? Sound like great Alaska. All over <laughs> there, there was a lot of competition. Let's just put it that way. Three guys, or those guys, guys like just totally overwhelmed. Um, no, I, th- I think they were at first, but then I think they started to enjoy it. I and bet their beard growing Then I think they started stopped. to realize that really tired, hungry girls aren't super fun to be around all the time. But <laughs> and then maybe these three a little guys disenchanted after just, a while. Yeah. All they did, they just hung out with each other and went on their own tours. <laughs> These women drive us crazy. Attraction, it's a pretty, uh, it's, you'd think it would be a very personal thing. Like everyone would be attracted differently. But I have a feeling our good doctor is going to teach us something different. I think so. So we're going to be bringing on Dr. Jeremy Nicholson um, in a little bit. And he's going to, there's a lot of ways that we could be attracted, different ways even. And he's written a lot of articles on this. Um, but, you know, so what should I tell? I guess that's what I need to ask him. What do I tell this lady that sits there and says there's no good-looking men in this room. I guess apparently we've got to go use all of our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, and then you got to bite them. you got to bite them. Take a bite out of them, see how they taste. Scary. Attraction. Have you got it in your family? Do you feel like uh, you kind of lost the attraction? Maybe that's another thing we can talk to them about is where did that attraction go? I always have clients that, oh, they would have killed for their wife. I'd give anything for you. And then once they finally got them, boom, gone. Where did that go? We kind of get bored. Hmm. Unless, of course, we do the test that you were taught. Who was talking about it? The attraction test where we wait. Oh, boy. One of you. What was it? The treat them like they're attractive? Oh, yeah. Treat them like attractive. And then they become attractive. Or they'll behave attractively, and yeah. then by behaving attractively, that's attractive. Yeah. Is it if you know that they're doing it because you did it? Now it's like, hey, I have to do the work. A compliment's a compliment. I mean. Yeah. Well, you know what else? You could always compliment their body and their facial hair. Like, hey, honey, love your beard. And my wife would be like, you're dead. <laughs> You're dead. We're talking attraction. Do you have it in your relationship? Do you have it in your life? Uh, do you want to figure out how to catch the fire and uh, how, to, how to really truly fall in love with somebody? That's what we're talking about with Dr. Jeremy Nicholson. He'll be coming up in about 10 minutes. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a little break here. Come back. Our own Bryce Tobin's got some other information for us. A wonderful little bit about attractive Frankenstein. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Voyager 1, speeding out of our solar system for 35 years, it's still reporting new discoveries from the edge of infinity. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. How far away is Voyager 1 now? The most distant man-made object in space, this plutonium-powered peripatetic is so far away, a radio signal from it traveling at the speed of light still takes 17 hours to reach Earth. Launched at the height of the disco music era, just after America's bicentennial, the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecraft gave us our first detailed look at the outer planets of the solar system. 
Using Jupiter's and Saturn's gravity as a slingshot, Voyager 1 headed out towards interstellar space at almost 18 kilometers per second in 2004. It passed the major boundary of solar space where the solar wind comes to a halt. Now, Voyager sensors are being tickled by magnetic field lines that connect our solar system to galactic space. If the solar system had a now-leaving-city-limit sign, this magnetic boundary would be it. Scientists think that highly energetic particles from supernovas trade places with our sun's particles there. And Voyager is still working well enough to observe these magnetic field lines as it crosses them, giving scientists a better picture of the edge of infinity. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Richard and Linda Iyer. Hello, listeners. Have a unique perspective on life. I was going to do this show from underwater. But when it comes to parenting, they always know just what to say. And after writing over 20 books on the subject, they are more passionate than ever about helping people raise happy families. It kind of makes your whole life more vibrant. Join Richard and Linda for Iyer's on the Road weekdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, you attractive audience. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about attraction. What is, not the law of attraction, that's a whole other thing. We're talking about what makes somebody attractive to us. And our own Bryce Tobin, it's a complicated deal, Bryce. It's, Have you noticed? It's multifaceted. Very. It's, it's very, there's like a thousand things it could be. And yet if we got them all, apparently we'd have a monster is your proposal. Absolutely. I don't think... Um, I don't think it's as simple as having attractive things. Ooh. Okay, here we go. Bryce has some thoughts about uh, what if we actually had everything we wanted in one person? Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. Frankenstein's monster was a composite of people pieces. Now, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm not looking to reveal the science of creating life, but the science of attraction. So let's go from top to bottom, creating a composite of the most attractive man ever imagined. Let's start with the hair. Now, I think we can all agree that having lots of thick, healthy hair is a plus, so the hairline cannot recede. But what color should we pick? This one's more a matter of preference, but not to worry. This is my composite person. We don't really have limitations. So let's take brown hair, white hair, black hair, red hair, and blonde hair and put it all on this guy's head. Now, we want a forehead, not a five head, so let's bring that hairline down a little. Now, let's make sure we have some nice, thick caterpillar eyebrows that also have all five hair colors. And if we're using a man as an example, beneath those eyebrows is the supraorbital ridge. And as we all know, the more pronounced it is, the more manly that face looks. So instead of a ridge, let's make it a supraorbital shelf. Bigger eyes are cuter eyes, so let's make some nice big eyeballs. And what color should we pick? Ha! Trick question, remember? We don't have to pick. So each eye will be blue, brown, and green. The nose must be thin and pointed downward. We don't want to be able to see into the icky nasal canal. But the nose still has to look nice and fleshy. We can't leave this face with skinny little bird lips. So let's make sure this guy has those nice, full Angelina Jolie lips. And what about a voice? Deep voices are certainly preferred, so let's grab a voice with the tone of Barry White, but the training and precision of James Earl Jones. Crisp, yet earthy. 
Ladies also like a singing voice, and while low singing voices have their purpose, they aren't all that pretty, so this guy needs to have the range of an 80s hair metal singer, nice and high with a vibrato that can shake the heavens. Strong men also have strong-looking jaws, so let's make that nice and pronounced. I'm talking Egyptian hieroglyphics kind of pronounced. Now this guy's skin, tiny, tiny pores all over. It's got to look like a sheet with a very high thread count. As far as skin tone, I'm not sure what to go with here. Geneticists and evolutionary biologists predict that in a few hundred years the human race won't really have light or dark skin tones anymore. But then we'll all have mixed together and evened out and we'll all kind of look like Brazilians. So let's jump the gun and go with that. What about body hair? There's also no middle ground for this one. Some people like it or want none at all. So let's cover one half of this guy's body with the multicolored body hair and one half without. You know, so that there's something for everyone. This guy's got to be in shape, so let's add some musculature. But we can't forget that there needs to be pronounced bone structure. So things like the clavicle, elbows, hip bones, cheekbones all need to be pronounced so that they can still show through this guy's muscles. One last double check to make sure everything is symmetrical and we'll call that phase finished. What about his insides? While being attractive on the outside is nice, health is attractive in the long run. First order of business, all the chromosomes in the human body have these things called telomeres on the end. As our chromosomes copy themselves, these telomeres unravel. During this unraveling, the copying process further degrades, which results in the degrading over time of our cells and our organs and their functions in a process that we affectionately know as aging. But there's good news. Cancer cells have an enzyme that prevents this degrading process, which is one reason why cancer cells are so hard to kill. So we'll just make this guy out of cancer cells. He'll never age. He'll never wrinkle. He'll never slow down through the passage of time. It's hard to be attracted to someone who's sick all the time. Apparently, crocodiles have the best immune system. I mean, think about it. They have their eyes and mouths open as they swim around in swamps and dirty rivers all over the world. And then when they finally eat something, it's soaked in this rancid water. So let's give this guy a crocodilian immune system to make sure that he never gets sick. And then for his brain, well, he's got to be smart. Smart people are more interesting, and they can be much more successful and make more money. So there we have it. I think we have a run-through of the most perfectly attractive man. No, wait, no, that's not at all the case. Even though this time I started with living tissue and ended with living tissue, I too have created a monster. A really pretty, but no less terrifying monster. Attractiveness doesn't work like addition. Because I put all the good stuff into one box, but even in our minds when we only have to imagine this person, it's still kind of creepy, am I right? Also, this person would have a terrible life. With the unbeatable immune system of a crocodile, if he were to kiss any of his dates, they would die. Also, he would live forever. Look, I've seen the Highlander movies, and getting to watch everyone around you die doesn't seem like any fun. And then having such a powerful mind tends to eventually develop some kind of mental illness, whether it's schizophrenia or something more manageable like bipolar disorder. Or worse, maybe he just gets bored, which normally isn't too problematic, but it is when you live forever. So what I've figured out is that first off, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's all up to preference. Second, in the beholder's eye, it's not the quantity of attractiveness. I'd say it's your ratio of attractive qualities to your unattractive qualities. As long as that's positive, you're in. And third, all of this goes out the window when you're rich. How's that for a plot twist? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. That guy was a freak. That's terrifying. What if you had to date him? Uh... I would be nervous. And he's all full of cancer. <laughs> so you're like, well, yeah, but, you know, he's normal. He's, that's normal for him. Yeah. It's only weird because it's abnormal for us. But if you went up and said, hey, so, you know, I'm all full of cancer, right? It's like, I do have cancer, but I am cancer. So yeah. don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Wow. I think it's better to just, I don't know, meet her at a party and just have that little butterfly in your stomach than to go make one. What if you had to make one, like build a bear? Build a wife? 
Uh, Stepford Wives. That's true. Well, That's and right. actually, there's people ordering wives all the time. Yeah, right. But you know what? I think they're all in for big surprises. That's what I, our that's what our good doctor is going to teach us. I think there's more to it than just looking pretty. I do too. I think there's more to it. But I think you you nailed it on the money thing. You could trump it all if you just were rich. <laughs> it's like the what the variable yeah. at the end that just yeah. either yes or no. If you've got a lot of money, you can put up with any bad attitude, right? For a while. There's a. Uh, Girls in, in my generation, they call them, uh, you'll date guys who are rich and they tend to be, they'll call them bros. You know, the guys who say bro at the end of all their sentences. <laughs> and some girls will say, he's really, really nice, but uh, uh, he's not rich enough for me to put up with all of his bro stories. Oh, jeez. And uh, that's a really shallow thing to say, but at the same time, that's pretty funny. It is. Hey, <laughs> thanks, bro, by the way. You're welcome. Appreciate you, bro. Um, good stuff. We're going to come back uh, after this break with Dr. Jeremy Nicholson. He really is, he's kind of the, uh, I guess the easiest way to call him is he's the attraction doctor. He's going to tell us how we fall in love, what we find attractive, what we don't, and he's going to fill us in. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. World issues can be complex and oftentimes confusing. The percentage saying that he's more pro-Israel went down from 31% to only 6 It fell a few months later, only 4%. The poll had a margin of error of 4.5%, which if you think about it, is almost mathematically impossible. Uh, that meant that there are people who hadn't even been born yet who had a problem. Learn from the experts by listening to Notes from the Kennedy Center, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Two prominent figures from the UK are in the US. Prince Harry is touring the damage still left over from Hurricane Sandy with New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and British Prime Minister David Cameron went to the Boston Marathon bombing site today to pay his respects to the victims. Attorney General Eric Holder says he recused himself from the controversial decision to seize the AP phone records as part of a wide-ranging leak investigation. Addressing another issue, Holder also said today a criminal investigation will be held in relation to the IRS targeting of conservative groups. The Philadelphia abortion doctor who was convicted of murder yesterday has made a deal with prosecutors to avoid the death penalty. Kermit Gosnell will not appeal his conviction and has only been sentenced to life in prison rather than facing capital punishment. Police in New Orleans have identified a suspect in the Mother's Day parade shooting that injured 19. Authorities have confirmed multiple witnesses identified a 19-year-old man as the shooter. However, it is still too early to tell if others were involved. Aviation history has been made once again by the U.S. Navy. An unmanned drone plane has now been launched from an aircraft carrier. The successful flight potentially opens up much broader use of the U.S. drone program. The Minnesota State Senate passed a measure yesterday to allow same-sex couples to wed in the state. The state's governor is expected to sign the measure into law today, making Minnesota the 12th to allow the unions in the nation. In world news, nearly 200 people were killed when a boat capsized off the coast of Burma late yesterday. Officials say only one person survived the tragedy. Russian authorities expelled a U.S. diplomat today after saying they caught him red-handed with disguises and equipment attempting to recruit a Russian intelligence agent to work for the CIA. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
Dr. Matt Townsend here talking uh, about attraction. What is the key to attractiveness? How do you uh, determine, how do you judge another person based on attraction? And who better to uh, to help us with this serious issue than our own good friend, Dr. Jeremy Nicholson from AttractionDoctor.com. He's joining us right now, and he's he's kind of, he's done it all. He's a doctor of social and personality psychology with a research and writing focus on influence, persuasion, dating, and relationship. He also holds a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology as well as social work. Uh, he, more importantly, has a blog that if you go to AttractionDoctor.com, you can check out his, his wonderful blog. It has a bunch of entries, uh, different topics about dating. Um, which, which he's, he's, that's his forte. That's his skill set. So, Dr. Jeremy Nicholson, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. This is a big deal. Now, I don't know if you were able to hear uh, the first part of the show when I was talking about, I was speaking with a group of singles once, and um, a woman came up to me and, and said, look out at that audience. Look at them. There are no attractive men here. <laughs> and I sat there and I thought, oh, wow. A, that's rude. You're probably never going to find someone attractive if you're acting like that. But B, there were attractive men there. They just weren't attractive to her. So attraction isn't just a – is it a universal concept or is it kind of personal? Is it based on us? How does it work? Well, you know, it's it's actually a little bit of both. Um, Attraction, to a certain extent, there are universal uh, attractiveness characteristics. There are generally things like good health. Uh, certain physical beauty characteristics, facial symmetry, but then there are things that are different for each person. Those tend to be more of the social and psychological factors. You know, some people like someone who's well-traveled, some people like a homebody. Uh, So what is attractive for a different person is really a blend. So that woman may have agreed with other women about certain male characteristics, but she may have also been looking for something particular or idiosyncratic that uh, she just wasn't seeing in that crowd. Yeah, that's, I mean, and, and that seems like that's what makes it hard, I guess, because we're each bringing our own, I guess, our own template for how we're going to make this work. And, and, and in a way, that might exclude a lot of people from your dating scene. It, it does, but it also, in some ways, makes it less of a competition. I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, more people, let's say, more women would want to marry Brad Pitt than uh, perhaps an, an average guy. Right. But not every woman loves Brad Pitt, which is great because otherwise he'd have all the women and, <laughs> and the rest of us would have nobody. Hey, that's um, true. Thank, oh, that's good. See, my wife. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. That's yeah, really so, good to know. So really part of attraction is, uh, building up those universal features uh, the best that you can, but it's also playing to your universe, your your individual strengths, and finding someone who who wants really what what you individually and uniquely have to offer. It, does it tend to even out? Like, do do we tend to have the attractive people marrying the attractive people, or is it really do opposites really attract? Well, you know that's. That's an interesting sort of jumping-off point. There are there's a social psychology theory called the matching hypothesis, where generally people like to match up on the same characteristics. So 
beautiful people want to date and marry other beautiful people, intelligent people want to date and marry other intelligent people, and so on and so on. And, and that's kind of what we're used to most of the time. Okay. But really, dating and relationships and marriages are based on a trade. Uh, we're looking for somebody else, a partner, to help us survive in the world and to help us, you know, perhaps procreate and create healthy children. Right. So sometimes we sort of trade different aspects. We don't, you know, if, if we're attractive or intelligent, we look for somebody who has a different feature from our own. You know, perhaps a, a uh, really beautiful man finds a very successful woman and, and she takes care of him or, or vice versa. Mm. So that's why sometimes we have one person that looks very attractive and we sort of, you know, scratch our head and say, why is this person with somebody else that, that doesn't seem to match them? Well, they probably have some other complementary feature that uh, that person finds valuable that they're sort of trading their beauty or, or their value for in, a, in another way. In the end, so like, for example, let's say we're, we're trying to date somebody because we, we have this desire, kind of this DNA-driven desire to survive, and we want our yeah. offspring to survive. So if I right. marry, let's say I marry somebody not so attractive, but really good genes, you know, she's going to, she'll be around for 99 years. So, I, so I, I married a good gene pool, which increases my survivability or my, my offspring's survivability. Does, do, do I eventually regret, I mean, there's got to, is there a point where I don't care about my genes anymore? I kind of want someone with a personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Is there sometime where like our, in, I don't know if it's our intellect or our personality overruns that deep inner DNA that's saying, no, create a good gene pool. Well, you know, I, I think that sometimes that is why relationships evolve and, and sometimes work for certain periods of people's lives and mm. not others. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the, the young and in love is kind of, kind of more about that passion for good genetics and procreation and then Sometimes some couples grow together and, and have other characteristics that, that they can survive together into old age. And others find that really when, after they've mated and had healthy children, that they, uh, they don't really have much in common in their twilight years to, to build that continued relationship on. Mm. So that's, that's sort of how that goes. And, and it seems like so much of this is so hidden from us, right? We're not cognitively out there saying... Hmm. That they seem to have a really strong broad shoulder that could pull a plow. Maybe they'd be a good it's it seems like it's more just intuitive, isn't it? It it absolutely is, and that's where we get a lot of sort of the the cultural story that this is all chemistry or or it is uh fate and, and that there really isn't a logic behind it, but in fact there is. It's just like you say, sort of hidden from us. The hidden logic of attraction. I mean, and then you add you add complexity to it. It seems like where, you know, you're meeting these people in a bar or in some location that's dark anyway, so you don't get a good view anyway. A lot of people are inebriated when they're meeting these people. I mean, there's a lot of factors at play that make it so you don't have one, you don't have a clue what you're doing. No, no, and, and it is in some ways a numbers game. That's why generally one of the things that makes people more successful is 
some sort of extroversion to be able to get out there and be bold. Uh, one of the articles I wrote early on was, was entitled, you know, Just Ask For It, hmm. where the, one of the biggest factors in dating success and, and later marriage success is, is asking for what you want in a partner or from a partner, and, uh, of course, that that's, makes you more likely to get it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it almost seems like, well, duh, what a great idea. <laughs> we could just ask for what we want. It is. Psychologists are great for studying those uh, those duh moments. The sudden glimpses. Sure they're yeah. true. <laughs> it's right. Well, and we've now validated that if you ask for what you want, eight out of ten times you're more likely to get it. Um, I, I think that's a that's just a great lesson. But honestly, too, I mean, maybe if our partners were asking, we could adapt some of our behaviors to be more amenable to that and – I mean, I guess that's what, in in the end, makes a lasting relationship or people that are willing to adjust, too. Yeah, definitely. A lot of relationship longevity is about reciprocity, is about that give and take between people that, that again, gets back to helping both people survive and, and you know, if they choose, have, have healthy offspring. Do, do you see a difference between men and women in this? I mean, I've heard studies where... Uh, you know, people will go and evaluate the looks of somebody, and then when they hear something about that, that that person makes more money, that that person has more money, and they add that variable to the discussion, it makes their attractiveness go up. And is is that true? I mean, it seems like women get pegged more for marrying maybe less attractive men than men get pegged for marrying less attractive women. Is that true, or is it is that just stereotype? It actually depends a little bit on uh, the culture, and uh, there are biological factors, there are also cultural factors, but essentially men do appear to um, compromise more in other areas. They're, they're pretty uh, picky when it comes to looks. Women are less picky when it comes to looks, but uh, more selective with things like status, mm. resources. Yeah. You know, how, how secure is their job, that sort of stuff. Um, but then again, in, in cultures like our own, where women have more resources and are advancing in their own careers, sometimes they tend to be, well, you know, I make my own money, so I don't have to compromise in that area. So, you know, maybe I want, you know, a GQ model as well. well. A trophy husband. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It does happen. Oh, I'd love to be a trophy husband. I just don't meet the criteria. You yeah, need, yeah, I don't either. You so. need the right criteria. I'm, a, I'm more like a bowling trophy. Not, <laughs> it's not the highly sought-after trophy that everyone wants, but it's a great trophy. That works. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm just divulging too much to you, Doc. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. That's, That's good. good. But I, uh, I really I like this a lot because um, it, there is such a hidden side to this, and we'll come back and talk about you know, kind of the hidden biological factors that exist with attraction. But we, we put so much into it, don't we? I mean, there's so much like in the dating world, these online sites. Attraction is really this, it's kind of a mystical concept. And yet it really isn't as mystical as we make it seem, is it? No, it, it is not that mystical, but it's, it's also very important. Yeah. And I think that's why there's so much uh, time and energy devoted to it, 
but it's not devoted in the same way that that you devote to education, that you devote to to other survival, getting a good job, having a, a house. It, it really is done in in sort of an uninformed way that that makes people struggle with it. Mm. Well, yeah, it's uh, kind of hidden, isn't it? So it is. It's, it's uninformed, yet it's it's almost visceral. You kind of know in your gut. Like if you ask people, what do you love about her? And they're just like, I, you know what? It's hard to put into words, but she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is. But, but if you sit with that person and, and you talk to them, or at least, you know, and when you become informed about this stuff, you can sort of figure out what, what the trade is, what the attraction is, and, and what those, those untangible things are. They're really not untangible. Mm-hmm. They're just unconscious for that person. Yeah, that's huge. So my daughter just got married, um, and this was the coolest thing, and this was the tipping point that I'm like, okay, done. She <laughs> she basically just said, um, in fact, it was, we had a wedding dinner the night before the wedding, and they all she did was just say, he makes me feel so safe. Yeah. I know I will always be safe with this man. And yep. and literally, so that's a survival thing, huh? She just, and I mean, he's big, she's five Four and he's six four and strong and muscly. Pretty much everything her father isn't. Uh, doesn't have a radio show, but um, he's trying. But it, it, but when I heard in my heart this idea that she's safe, it's it is. Yeah. It's the unknown. It's the unspeakable. Boom. Okay, that's good. Yes. Yep. Absolutely right. That, that's survival, and that's important not only for her, but as as. Her father, that is also important for you because yeah. that is, you know, not only your daughter, but eventually your grandchildren yeah. as well. So. Well, plus we're going to finally get some height yes. <laughs> in our family. I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking gotta, for some six-footers. you got to breed up. I have to do the same thing. <laughs> breed up, everybody. Put that on a bumper sticker. Um, we're going to take a break. We're talking here with the great Dr. Jeremy Nicholson, who is um, the uh, the author at the blog, The Attraction Doctor. Just go to attractiondoctor.com. And we're talking about attraction. And when we come back, we're going to get into some of the hidden points, the hidden points, the biological factors of attraction right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Backwards listen must you story this understand to. And it gets stranger from there. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Researchers at the University of Maryland refer to their discovery as time reversal. Before you start worrying about the health of your great-great-grandparents, it's not the same as time travel. It is, however, a very futuristic-sounding technique. The research modeled how electromagnetic waves bounce off various objects and how those waves are changed after being reflected. What they figured out is that unique objects create a unique pattern within that reflected energy. In theory, you could feed a mirror image of that signal out and it will find and resonate only with that original object. What are the applications for this discovery? In communications, it would create hyper-secure omnidirectional radios only one authorized receiver could pick up. It could selectively jam cell phones. It could even be used to beam power to a device such as a laptop or a car, even without knowing the location. In medicine, coupled with the right nanoparticles injected into a tumor, it could target a cancer like a trained sniper, leaving healthy cells unscathed. But no time travel. Sorry. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Get your business in the game and sponsor Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking with Dr. Jeremy Nicholson, Doctor of Social and Personality Psychology, with a research and writing focus on influence, persuasion, dating, and relationships. He is the Attraction Doctor. You can check out his website, attractiondoctor.com, and uh, he's about to enlighten us. Hey, Doc, t- teach us about uh, this this interesting idea of our biology. The, the, a lot of our attraction is just pure biology, right? It is indeed. Uh, some of it is, of course, on the surface, things like uh, certain body shapes, certain curves of the female body, certain symmetries of the male body, uh, actually symmetry in general, uh, yeah. even people's left side and right side. Uh, but one of the lesser known is is how we smell. What? Because <laughs> that doesn't. My wife doesn't talk like that's a good thing. <laughs> well, you know, maybe on the days that you're gone, uh, she would smell your sweater oh, or, yeah. or smell your pillow to remind her of you. That used and, to happen. That was cool. Well, that is her being attracted to your scent. It's not necessarily the stink that happens when we you know, right. come back from the gym. Yeah. It is It is sort of that smell that reminds her of you. Okay, now help yeah. me on this, because I, I do have an issue with this, because what about cologne and perfume? Because I, I would rather just smell my wife than, like, flowery, flowery herbal essence. Yes. Yes, and, and as a matter of fact, that is one of the arguments to be more or less naturally scented so that... Uh, partners or potential partners can smell that natural scent and everybody can sort of sniff each other and find out whether they're compatible. It sounds kind of like animalistic. It is indeed. Um, But it works for the dogs. It does work for the dogs. And in the animals, um, it's something known as pheromones. Yeah. Uh, There's some argument whether we as humans have pheromones, but, but what is agreed on is that that scent sort of tells us whether, whether we like the scent or not, tells us whether we're, our immune systems are compatible with potential partners. Hmm. What we're essentially looking for is immune systems that are different from our own so that if we were to have children with them, the children would have a broader immune system and be covered against more diseases and therefore be healthier. Well, that's um, that's fascinating. So you're really just doing an immune check. Yes. And you're just trying to maximize your immunity. And if, if they don't smell as wonderful and luscious to you, it might be that they're too much like you. Yes, absolutely right. And that's, that may be one of the reasons why we're generally not attracted to people we're closely related to because mm. that smell is similar and, and our unconscious animal side says, no, don't go there. They they won't make his healthy offspring as somebody who's different. Yeah. Is is that true with taste? Cuz aren't smell and taste related? 
And I don't. I mean, that sounds weird, but they they are. But um, to the best of my knowledge, I I haven't heard of studies of uh, random students licking each other to <laughs> see if if they were more attractive. Generally, it it goes. Yeah. If, you know, you must like, not have ever been to a frat party. Well, I guess nobody took a, uh, a clipboard and instead of surveys. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Thank heavens, huh? But so smell for sure. And we're not, I mean, really, so the, the audience is still out. The jury's still out on pheromones, huh? Because I thought that was pretty much a done deal. I mean, that was on Oprah. Yes, yes. It, it is in, in a sense that, um, you know, we have this smell, but uh, whether it, it's exactly like animals or not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the best of my knowledge, that that's still out. Uh, somebody who's more into, uh, you know, this particular area, feel free to, to correct, but yeah. that, that was the last of my reading. Hey, what about this? This seems problematic because um, for all these parents that are out there, uh, I guess 60% of marriages, I read a statistic recently that said 60% of marriages are arranged. So if you're a parent out there and you're not smelling, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't, I mean, in a weird way, if you're picking your your child's spouse, you might be missing some of these things. You You definitely might. Um, you know, those are, the marriages tend to be arranged on more of the social side of things. Yeah. Are, are people compatible educationally? Are they compatible financially? Um, and it may miss some of the, uh, some of that biological compatibility, certainly. Hmm. Okay. Fascinating. So, so smells one of them, I guess, just kind of our immunity, our immune system is another Kind of, it's a biological factor. What are, what are some other biological factors for attraction? Well, uh, actually, a woman's uh, monthly cycle influences her attractiveness. Oh, really? Yes, I mean, uh, yeah. Apparently, apparently uh, there are certain physical changes mm-hmm. and, and perhaps other ways that men kind of unconsciously become aware of when a woman is most fertile. Yeah. Uh, it was actually an interesting psychological study. They, uh, uh, they studied uh, uh, women in strip clubs, strip club workers, hmm. and um, they tallied the women's tips at various times of their monthly cycle oh, and found wow. that the women were tipped the most when they were oh. the most fertile and Are tipped you the least when they were not. No, so somehow these, the male <laughs> patrons unconsciously knew that the women were most fertile and they were more attracted and, and tipped them more. Well, plus uh, she knew, right? I mean, subconsciously she knew when she was more f- most fertile. So yeah, she so probably was been, She was different as well, huh? Yeah, there may have been differences in terms of how she moved, um, you know, how she reacted yeah. and interacted with the men. Uh, another interesting point that came out of that is that uh, the women who were working, who were on birth control, their tips sort of stayed fairly steady right in the middle. Um, so birth control may impact not only a woman's sensitivity to, to other men, uh, but also the men's sensitivity to her. So, you know, if you're on birth control, it, it may be influencing or even inhibiting some of these sort of natural biological uh, tuning forks that we have to, uh, to find a compatible mate. That is so fascinating. Because for years, forever, 
you know, when your daughter was on birth control, that was the sign that she's active sexually and it's time to – that's when every parent was freaking out. But in reality, that might be the great sign that everyone will stay away from her. Well, it, it, I don't know if it's so much everyone will stay away from her as, as much as – Her they, tips they would go down. Be, yes, her tips would go down. <laughs> if she worked at a restaurant or wherever. Yeah. And, and she may select guys differently while on birth control than she would off of birth control. She might be attracted to different men on the pill versus off the pill. That is fascinating. There's a lot. And funny thing is, is we have no clue this is all going on. No, no, it is. It's, um, it's certainly collected in, in research, in journals. And uh, one of the things that, that I've sort of tried to do is take it out of the research area and really bring it to the public because it is important to know and, and people can use this information to make better dating and, and relationship and marriage decisions and, uh, you know, even find out these little quirks like, yeah. you know, what if, what if libido changes when people try to have children and the wife goes off birth control? Why does that happen? Well, it could be one of these reasons that she smells a little different or She's processing his scent or, or his attractiveness a little different. Well, yeah. So it, it, it's important for people to know to, to help navigate these relationships. Love it. Um, should we trust our gut? I mean, it's, well, it's, it's, very, I mean it's like it's, it's, it's our gut anyway. It's going off whether we understand it or trust it or not. But it seems like it kind of knows what it's doing. I, I think it's an important piece. Uh, what I sort of counsel is a balance, that you certainly do need to have this emotional piece but and, and this unconscious piece, but there also needs to be some overall relationship compatibility. So just because someone smells good, uh, they may not be a good partner in other ways. So you have to weigh that in consideration. I mean, if people do fall head over heels for people, be it for another partner because of this, these unconscious and biological factors, but then they end up not being so great in terms of a, a relationship partner that right. they can trade with. Well, I mean, we, we have been blessed with other skills other than yeah. just kind of these natural base knowledge. I and mean, we know how to communicate. We, we know how to discern and to understand deeper ways and to be empathic. So, yeah, you're saying use the whole tool set. Absolutely. It's, it's more than just a sniff test. <laughs> sniff test. Otherwise, <laughs> hey, by the way, that may not be a bad online program, you know, like speed dating, but it's just sniff dating. We need we need scratch and sniff online, and we'll be all set. <laughs> yeah, watch watch e and Match start putting that out there. Um, I know. <laughs> we are going to take a break. We're talking to Doctor Jeremy Nicholson, uh, really the attraction doctor. We're learning so much from him. When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit deeper this idea of do opposites really attract? I really need to know too, Doc, why um, why women date the bad boy. You know, why are some women attracted to the bad boy? It seems so, you know, antithetical to everything we're saying. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Dr. Jeremy Nicholson right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. 
wonderful places. We have a specific spot that uh, I had something happen there or an epiphany that I want to bring up as a topic of discussion. Oh, no. Okay. Your epiphanies <laughs> scare me to death. <laughs> Traveling with Eric Dowdle on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The U.S. is hosting some of the most prominent figures from the United Kingdom. Prince Harry is paying a visit to the Jersey Shore to see the damage left over from Hurricane Sandy, while British Prime Minister David Cameron is in Boston to pay his respects to the victims of the Marathon bombing. The Philadelphia abortion doctor who was convicted of murder yesterday has made a deal with prosecutors to avoid the death penalty. Kermit Gosnell has been sentenced to life in prison in exchange for agreeing not to appeal his case. The Justice Department is going to investigate the possible unfair targeting of conservative groups by the IRS. Attorney General Eric Holder says actions taken by the IRS are outrageous and unacceptable. Police in New Orleans are searching for a 19-year-old suspect who has been identified by multiple witnesses as a shooter in the Mother's Day parade shooting that left 19 injured. The suspect has a previous history of illegal firearms possession and resisting arrest. Aviation history has been made once again by the U.S. Navy. An unmanned drone plane has now been launched from an aircraft carrier. The successful flight potentially opens up much broader use of the U.S. drone program. The Minnesota State Senate passed a measure yesterday to allow same-sex couples to wed in the state. The state's governor is expected to sign that measure into law today, making Minnesota the 12th to allow the unions in the nation. In world news, nearly 200 people were killed when a boat capsized off the coast of Burma late yesterday. Officials say only one person survived the tragedy. Russian authorities have expelled a U.S. diplomat after saying they caught him red-handed with disguises and equipment, attempting to recruit a Russian intelligence agent to work for the CIA. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, all you attractive people listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We're joined by Dr. Jeremy Nicholson, and we're, today we're talking attraction. You know, it seems like it would be so easy. You just see each other across the room and bada boom, bada bing. You're in love. You have to be with each other. No, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Smelling. Our immune system has to be on there. You know, uh, just a myriad of other things. Don't even want to get into again. But we're talking to Dr. Uh, Jeremy Nicholson, doctor of social and personality psychology. He also is um, owns his own site, The Attraction, not The, AttractionDoctor.com. AttractionDoctor.com. It's a wonderful blog where you can get great articles he's written about how to date and about relationship advice. Wonderful stuff. Basic rules for successful dating. How sh- uh, who should ask and pay for a date, you know, some of the basic norms and standards of dating. So, Dr. Nicholson, welcome back, and thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you again. Tons of fun. Um, I want, in this last bit that we have together, I want you to get a little bit more into this opposites attract. Um, do they really attract, or in, I've always kind of thought they don't necessarily attract, but we end up fighting so much that we end up becoming opposites. So do you have a preference on that, on that argument? Well, I, I think it is confusing because we hear, on one hand, 
opposites attract. And we hear, on the other hand, that birds of a feather flock together. Right. And you sort of see both in, in relationships, and, and really that is the answer is it's a little bit of both. Mm. On one hand, we like people to be uh, partners to be similar to us on certain characteristics. Again, things like education or perhaps religious preference, um, social status, where we grew up, that type of thing, because it helps us to facilitate that trade, that that understanding that I'm going to help you, you're going to help me, we're going to cooperate and, and build this life together. On the other hand, we like people a bit different than us in other ways uh, so that that trade is beneficial for both people. Hmm. So perhaps opposites attract because one person is introverted and the other is extroverted. Uh, so that the extrovert brings the, the person out of their shell, the introvert sort of calms the, uh, the, the party animal down, and they sort of meet in the middle there or... Uh, perhaps one person is more home-oriented and another is a real go-getter at work. So they, they really, what we're looking for there is not difference for the sake of difference, but more complementarity. Yeah. So we're trying to maximize the good, neutralize the negative. Absolutely. So that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's not even about your, your after trying to, you don't necessarily... The extrovert doesn't necessarily want to become an introvert. It's just the introvert might have a tendency to neutralize the over-extreme extrovert. Or Absolutely. I mean, it's complementary. We're looking to build something as a unit that is going to be able to stand and be strong for both of us. And that's why you hear the expressions like "my missing piece," "my other half." Mm. That really, you know, in an unconscious way, what the idea that these people are trying to get at with those, those loving expressions, that, that they are a complement to that person, and both together they fill in each other's gaps and are, are stronger and, and healthier and more functional together. Which are different than the other metaphors of, like, my parole officer, my warden, <laughs> and the mother I never had. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's good. It really is. I mean, I, I love the idea of all of this because, I mean, we want it so cookie cutter and perfect and almost, but it, it's so random. And in the end, the relationship kind of works or it doesn't. And it's not just because of our genes. It's it's the mix of the whole. It's the genes plus the work and the energy and the effort and the, you know, the management of expectation. There's a lot that goes into making a relationship work. There is indeed, and it, it doesn't end after you've found that compatible person or even after you've walked down the aisle. It, it takes uh, constant effort and energy put into it by both people to continue to make that relationship, that trade, that interaction beneficial for both and, and successful. Yeah, so it's really not about finding the right person even. I mean... Who even knows who they got anyway, right, Tell you're a couple of years into this? Well, you know, coming from, uh, this is sort of where I apply my business, my industrial organizational psychology background. It's a little bit of both. When you look at it from a business, you have to both hire the right people and then work with them to train them on the specifics of the job. Right. So that's sort of like that with a couple. You need to look for 
the person that has more or less compatible raw materials that, that you can work with, and then you need to work together with each other to train each other on how specifically uh, you need things and, and want them. Yeah. That's a great – that's the way to do it. I mean, that's the, the philosophy of work hard to find them, you know, make sure they feel right, it, it, the, we're connected, and then put your head down and get to work. Absolutely. Um, tell me uh, – okay, tell me about the, the girl dating the bad boy because, again, that seems to fly in, in the face of her trying to create a safe, healthy survival <laughs> She's yeah. married. So, the, you know, this goody goody, perfect little girl from a perfect family, never, you know, and she's marrying a biker dude that's that's just out to create havoc. Well, I, I the, the short answer is because he's exciting yeah. uh, and that that excitement, that danger, those those characteristics about him are exciting and 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 energizing that. That sort of biological, animalistic side of her. Yeah. That's why it, it's all about passion. It's not about really having a solid partnership. That's the so, other half of the relationship, right? She, it's more absolutely. like passion and procreate than survive and thrive. Yes, which is, which is often why that's how those, those situations end, either, either in heartbreak or, or in a, an unsuccessful long-term uh, relationship. There may be uh, a passionate union for a while. There may be sort of a, a love child even that, that results from that. Yeah. Um, but but unless both people have something more and bring something more to the table, uh, really it, it ends with a, a passionate interaction. And, and that's why the family and, and the people standing outside of that sort of cringe because they know that that it's running on only one dimension, and it, it probably won't last in the long term. But you know, again, this happens mostly when when people are young, when yeah. women are young, and and they have more of the hormones. They are operating more on the biological side. They don't yet have the experience of of age and and of going through a few bad boys to realize that. Hey, there's there's more to this relationship thing than than simply does he make my heart flutter. Mm. So that's where I guess it's okay to just spray him down with a hose when they come in at night. <laughs> Try to shock it out of him. Like stay away from that boy. I'm going to get you. That'll get rid of the pheromones if they do exist. Yeah. Just hose it off. That's you know, it's really a complex uh, thing. Tell me about the father. I mean, there's always kind of this idea that you want to the bride, you know, the woman tries to marry her father. Or her brother, is there anything in that? Well, there there is another piece more on the social side that that we sort of have something called love stories or love scripts, where uh, we model what we look for based on the the loving relationships that we've seen. So that is what we're familiar with. That's what we're. Uh, we're used to, and and that pattern. Then we go out and look for, assuming, of course, that you know, especially, of course, if it was pleasant to us. Um, but in any case, it's it's comfortable. So you want somebody that, in some ways, you know, if you're a woman, acts like dad, or or has the positive features that that made you comfortable. And you know, same thing for for young men. They want somebody who 
who has some of those similar features of mom. Not yeah. maybe not necessarily a carbon copy, but but the things that we enjoy that that we take from our childhood. Certainly, we want those to to accompany us in our own relationships and and when we have our own children. Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. I mean, really, uh, it's kind of like the the boys want to date the the bad girl and marry the good girl. That, that's the girl they can bring home to mom, and yeah. the girl that you know that they know is is going to be more like their mom. It's it's uh, there, there really is kind of this yin and yang in each of us, huh? This survival, this need for a healthy future, but also our desire to have that kind of more natural, procreative power. Yes, and, and, and that gets back to really, especially the struggle of, of young uh, daters and, and young married couples out there, and even the woman that, that we started at the beginning talking about, that there were no good men, right? because uh, there was nobody, perhaps for her, that fit both what she wanted biologically that that was exciting to her and socially that that fit her story or her script or you know what she was looking for in a partner yeah so sometimes it's tough to find both and people get frustrated i I hear women say you know on one hand all the nice guys are kind of boring and all the all the uh you know not so nice jerky guys they're sexy and attractive but you know, they, they don't make good partners, and, yeah. and they're frustrated, and guys have similar similar stories. And uh, that's really what we're talking about here is that push and pull and struggle uh, between what we want socially and, and psychologically on one hand and, and what we crave biologically on the other. Is there one, um, I, I guess there isn't, is there one that in the end pays a higher dividend you know, I mean, is there one? I mean, there, there's going to be a point. I'm assuming in our lives. I don't know. Maybe when we're 80, when kind of the the animal craving might subside, and yeah. you're just going to be grateful you have somebody that'll take care of you with charity and loving and be there. Yes, yes, and and in that case, the the social and the psychological pays longer dividends, uh, but of course. Some people are, are more interested in that instant gratification yeah. and, and rather, uh, you know, and enjoy the moment and, and not think about the long term. So they have a different uh, relationship and, and mating strategy. Yeah. I had a client that came in once and said she just wants more passion in her life because um, she had just watched the movie The Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> And in the movie The Notebook, there's a very passionate scene that I guess would be kind of more of the physical, animalistic attractiveness thing. But there's also this really incredible social, psychological connection where a man is taking care of a woman who has Alzheimer's, I guess, and is just always there for her and is putting up with the fact that she doesn't recognize him. And he's always loving her and always caring for her. And I'm like, so which passion are you looking for? The the uh, the animal love passion or kind of the guy that'll take care of you when you're 90 because he's so still into you and cares about you? And and she's like, oh, for sure, the animal passion. Yeah. It's just yeah, what they're after right now, right? I mean, well, and and later they might want something different. They they might, but the, the greatest part about knowing this stuff consciously is that you can then learn to do the right things to trigger uh, that type of passion, mm-hmm. even in a long-term spouse. So the, 
the, the woman that gets restless in her marriage may not have to go and find that passion elsewhere. Uh, her husband can learn to to be that temporary right. bad boy when she wants it. He could and, buy a Harley. Buy a Harley he Davidson. Could. He certainly could do that. <laughs> Get some chaps and some leathers and just look the part. And, and sometimes it doesn't even take that. Sometimes it takes just going out to to an exciting event together, and, and some of that excitement transfers onto him. Sometimes it, it's just surprising her and, and sweeping her off her feet in the middle of the kitchen and dipping her and giving her a big kiss, which, you know, sends the endorphins running around in her body. That's great. Uh, and the, and it know, sends it, the kids running, too. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ew, Dad, gross. <laughs> no, but that is that is it, and that's what they're saying. That's the research, huh, Jeremy, that, um, you know, if you go do something exciting with somebody you love, that excitement will be transferred to you and them. I mean, that excitement becomes yours. Absolutely. That's uh, that's the that's the great gift of, like, going to Disneyland, because <laughs> then you get excitement. Um, so tell me this as we wrap up, Doc. Uh, what what Okay, when it comes to attraction— What's what would you say is the one thing we should really be watching out for? The one thing that makes the biggest payoff in understanding and in maybe creating a longer relationship? I would say that it's to be rewarding is is it is to try to create interactions with other people that both you and they find pleasant. Mm. Uh, because that rewarding those those feelings that excitement uh, that positivity does tend to sort of stick to you and stick to how that partner feels about you. So, you know, create positive, fun, exciting moments with, with that partner, and uh, that goes a long way to, uh, to creating healthy relationships. Boom. That's it. I mean, long-term relationships thrive when there's mutual benefit and chemistry. And it's a Absolutely. work. So, you know, at first you might be able to ride the chemistry, but eventually we can work at it. Yep, absolutely. Good stuff. So go check out Dr. Jeremy Nicholson's great work. If you go to his website, attractiondoctor.com, attractiondoctor.com, you can see everything he's got. He really has some great blog entries there. It's And it's really, it's not just for singles, is it? I mean, this is for married, this is for anybody in a relationship. Absolutely. I, I try to run the spectrum of you know, from people who are married to college students doing the whole hookup thing, yeah. uh, all genders, all, you know, sexual orientations. This stuff is really more or less universal. Yeah. There are some tweaks here and there, but but everybody has the, the biology and the, uh, the psychology. Thank heavens for that, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. You bet. We're going to have Dr. Nicholson back. We've got to have him back. Just going on his website and seeing some of his great topics, we're going to pick his brain again. Uh, We'll be there. Thank you again. And go check out his website, attractiondoctor.com. We're going to take a break, come back, wrap the show up on attraction. I think uh, Rob's put together some pretty interesting information. And uh, we're going to, you know, wrap it up, give you a little challenge on the way out the door today. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. They don't know they're demonstrating fluid dynamics, but what penguins do know is how to huddle to keep everybody equally warm. This is Innovation Now. 
bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The next time you huddle in a crowd at a snowy bus stop, you may think you know how to keep warm, but penguins have you beat. Where they hang out, the bus takes about six months to show up, and winds can gust to 100 miles an hour at 60 Fahrenheit below zero. Yet they can generate a balmy 70 degrees at the center of their huddle. What scientists wanted to know was the method by which the cold guys at the edge changed places with the warm guys at the center, so that everybody averaged out pretty well. Francois Blanchet is an applied mathematician at the University of California, and he's created a mathematical model where virtual penguins, each just trying to get warmer, end up circulating in a path that distributes the heat as fairly as possible. The mathematical model matches up fairly well to actual patterns in the wild, and it shares common features with flying flocks of birds, schools of fish, and the like. This model may help to program future swarms of micro-robots that need to cooperate like one composite individual. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, kiddos, to the attraction show. <laughs> The Matt Townsend Show, where we're trying to help you become more attractive and read the attraction better in your life. That sounds weird. And we're going to go now to our own executive producer, Robbie Sanders. Hello. Do you like me to call you Robbie, Robbie? Um, I haven't used that since uh, elementary school. So is that a yes or a no? Because I, I like it because it's a term of endearment. I don't use it, but if you want to use it, I feel it closer it to you calling family. you Robbie. What do you think, Brycey? Uh, he's an adult, so I, Robbie seems juvenile to Except, me. Except, to be fair, I, I believe he still works with the TV show on BYU TV, True Blue. Robbie Bosco. Oh, well, there's Robbie Bosco. That's true. Hello. But there's also Robbie Bolo, who's a reporter for Robbie BYU Bosco, TV. national championship. But yeah, I forgot he? about Robbie Bosco. From BYU. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> just Gr- saying. Grown adult. So of the Y uh, <laughs> suffix... I, I, I will see. I'll, I'll just kind of throw it out every different way. Now, Rob, you've been online dating. Yeah, I thought I'd, you know. Well, I, I mean, we'll, I think we'll I kind of pushed I'd, you. You may not have at first wanted to. Well, I just I felt like it was something for people who are in their 40s to, to oh, do. You, know, well, you look at like me a, when you say that because I'm in my 40s. Yeah. You know. Well, you, you don't need it. I'm married. Good point. Um, but, Rob, here's the deal. See, I just use Rob there. See, yeah, that feels better. That it doesn't. Better. I, it felt like I was missing a B. It's semi-professional, and then if I ever become a professional, I can be Robert. Let's call you Jim. Jim for short. So, Rob, B. It's better than Biff. Bert. Robert, um, tell me this. As you've been out, have you noticed that as you're kind of working through the online stuff, have you noticed anything about attraction? Has anything like, has your attraction radar gone off? Like, whoa. Have you noticed you're fine-tuning your skills? Yeah, well, it's interesting. As a guy approaching it, profile pictures are 90% of the battle. So there are some that you just go through and you you go, nope, not happening. Next. Interesting. So it's all visual there. Yeah, you know, and then the next step is to look and see what they wrote in their profile. Yep. And too often it's women, you know, I'm looking more at the – 
girls are in their late 20s, and so maybe it gets different as people get older and have more experience and stuff to talk about in their profile. But 90% of the profiles say the same thing. Oh, they do? It's just the, the same cliches over and over and over. And that makes it hard to be, feel like, oh, I don't make a huge effort. I love cuddling and watching movies yeah, in the rain. So then there's another 5% that uh, they said something very non-cliche and you go, oh, wow. I love drag That's, racing. Well, maybe not that. Okay. Then, then there's the other 5% the other way around where they will uh, say something non-cliche the other way. Well, I've been jerked around in the past and I hate it when people yeah. do that and you're not a jerk, are you? <laughs> Those aren't so good either. So it's hard. Now, you know what you ought to do, according to our good doctor? We need some smell factor here. So what you ought to do How is, does that work? Well, I'll tell you. When you get close enough that you're talking to him on the phone, say, hey, can you just shoot me out one of your, one of your sweatshirts? No, no, no. Better yet. Better yet. I just want to smell your sweatshirt. This is sounding like a very fast way to end a... Uh... It's kind of creepy at first. No, I wouldn't. No. I've heard about a little USB thing. You can plug it into your computer. Hmm. It has little chemicals in it, and you can program scents. So you literally, as long as she has one of those things, which- A scent or a program thing? The the USB scent maker. Okay. We'll call it that. Because I'm pretty sure everyone has a scent. (laughs) Everyone has one of those. You could send her your actual smell, and she could have her computer make you know, it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't send her your smell till you get her smell first. They play way too much into that. To me, there's two smells, good slash neutral and bad. Well, I know, but you got to smell to know. So uh, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> as long as it's not bad. It's, I mean, it's weird. I get it. It's a little creepy. But if we're going to I'm follow... thinking I focus a little more talking to him on the phone and getting well, to know yeah. who oh, they are. Sure. That's old that fashioned. Might be, yeah. I mean, if you want to do it the slow way, whatever. Or you could just say, shoot me out one of your T-shirts. Let me smell no. it. I'll get back to you. No. I'll have my people call your people. No. <laughs> that's how I would do it. But again, I'm married. And what do I know? Yeah, that's that's how you all of a sudden find you go to log in one day and your account doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So and the FBI email, are knocking on your door. Your email hey. says, oh, you violated our terms of service. Uh, don't come back. Is this Robbie? <laughs> Robbie the sniffer Sanders? Yes, sir. <laughs> so... <laughs> No. Uh, we're just trying to help, Rob. But but the, what bothers me about uh, online dating is it can easily turn into feeling like you're on eBay. Yeah, that's a problem. Is that's, it like you're that's, shopping? That's not, because there, there, there's people who are probably perfectly fine, but it's, mm-hmm. e- it's easy to find something wrong yeah. with just about every – and you're not really even meeting people. You're, you're sending emails to profile pictures and it – it takes some time to eventually get that to a phone call, and then at that point, it starts to be. But that is kind of that's kind of weird, where everything's kind of made up into just numbers and labels. So, oh great, I love your five five. I think you're one. That's a wonderful model size for me. Uh, I just wish you were a six, not an eight or a ten. I mean, I just your size we could work on a little bit. Um, the hair, let's change the hair a little bit up. That'd be great. I mean, it's like you're buying a and. A, uh, what are they called? Uh, one of those dolls. You're buying a doll. Build yeah, a bear. It's, Build a bear. It's, it's an illusion, too, that tomorrow you'll come across a profile and meet somebody that's everything you want. It, yeah. it's, it's, it, you, you never get there. It, it's, I, and I think a lot of people get stuck in that where I think online dating could be very useful. You know, I've emailed with more girls than I have in the last several years because everybody who's there wants to play the game. Mm-hmm. And so it's a safe environment where you can do that. 
But on the flip side, because it's so easy to make the system work for you, I could see how some people might never get to where they want to go. And they just, well, you know. which is why we need to mail out some T-shirts. No, no, we're not. Why don't we? You can just meet people in person. We need that a, might we be need a Matt Townsend radio show and, T-shirt and be ten times less creepy. That's true. You know, I want to help. I want to help. There's power. I think it feels like uh, when we're talking about this. My only thought is like. Feels like a cattle auction. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like you know, you bring this one around. Okay, everyone takes a look and hmm, what will you give for this one? Okay, next one, next one. Let's check out the next one. Um, and so I think there's power in like singling people out. Yeah, like singling. Are you talking the herd mentality? Well, single okay, out of the herd. If we're gonna stick with cattle, <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna hold on to that metaphor, yeah, run sure. one out. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, when you're looking at the whole heard you don't know which one that yeah. you want to eat but when when one of the sickly ones separates no that's not what dating is but go but, for the sickly one but it's uh but it is kind of a it's like a it's like a shopping event it's yeah versus it, a, it depersonalizes uh-huh. and kind of dehumanizes which is why i think this attraction thing's so cool because when you actually see somebody in your class like you guys or when you see them at a party or whatever and you actually are attracted it almost seems more like fate yeah, you want something to make it feel like yeah. something special happened. That's that, cool. Even if it's all a myth. You yeah. just want to believe that. Well, let's believe it. And, Rob, bring me some T-shirts you've worn, and we'll, we'll ship those out. Oh, boy. Let's oh, just boy. try it. What's the worst thing that could happen other than the FBI coming in on us? Um, folks, thanks for listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We hope we've learned, and uh, you've learned, and we've all learned something together about attractiveness. You know what? In the end... Let's just try to be the right kind of partner. It's maybe not going to be so easy to go find the perfect partner. Maybe let's just go find wonderful people and work really hard to make relationships work. That's your challenge. Get out there. Go tell the people you love why you're so attracted to them and uh, see if that doesn't reignite the spark for you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back again tomorrow with more ideas to uh, help you see the beautiful things in the world. This is Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.